Hello and welcome to the Let's Talk Azure podcast with your hosts, Sam Foote and Alan Armstrong. If you're new here, we're a pair of Azure and Office 365 focused IT security professionals. Each episode, we talk about a specific topic in the space. This week is episode three of season three. We're going to have a chat around reducing your costs in Azure. Everyone likes to save money, so we're going to take you through 15 tips on how to optimize your costs in Azure. Just please don't tell Microsoft that we told you how to do this. Hey, Alan, how are you doing? Hey, Sam, I'm not doing too bad. How are you? Yeah, good, thank you. Yeah, uh, it's been a busy start to the new year. Um, it's I think we're, we're back onto our upload schedule, which is, yeah, really positive. Yeah, definitely, yeah. It's good to be back. I think I said this last last uh, episode that it's really good to get back into recording again. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It gives us gives us some structure to our week, right, and keeps us on our toes. So yeah, it's great. Right, let's just let's jump straight into this topic then, because we've got quite a lot to get through. Um, so yeah, as I as I mentioned in the intro, we're gonna we're gonna go through some um, hopefully some valuable cost saving tips for you in Azure. Um, we we've tried to pick out as many and varied different um, cost saving tips. Um, people listening to this podcast might have a variety of different, you know, uh, resources and infrastructure that are, that are running in Azure. So there's not sort of one size fits all. So you might find that some of these aren't applicable to your workloads. Um, but but we're hopeful that you'll you'll get some some sort of value from it. Right. So let's uh, kick off. Um, so what we're going to do is we're going to tag team through this. Um, so we're going to take each um we're going to go alternative uh me and alan and we're just going to discuss each one and hopefully we'll move on to the next we've got a few to do so we are going to rattle through them as quickly <laughs> as possible to give you as much value as quickly as we can cool so i think my first um money saving tip is to actually use the cost management portal it might seem really simple um and and it, you know it's not any sort of hidden tip or anything but that that really is the first port of call to understand you know, the costs that are in your environment. You know, you may have spun up a new um, set of resources or infrastructure in your environment and, um, you know, you leave it for a day or two um, and it can start to forecast um, and predict your costs over that month. You can also go back and look at previous months uh, spending over different periods and really drill it down. And you can also break down by uh, types of resources, uh, the resource groups that they're in and their locations, which is really powerful as well. Um, and I think I think what, what we're really here doing is we're just trying to report and understand on what we are spending money on uh, before we maybe dive into anything more specific. Any other sections of um, cost management, Alan, that you, you think are, are worth highlighting? No, I think you covered it. Um, yeah, it's it's quite handy to see what you're you're spending and breaking it down. Yeah, 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 definitely. So, Alan, uh, what got any tips for us? So, following on from that, I would probably say around the VM sizing. So, there are various um, different VM sizing, you know, CPUs, uh, RAM, etc. Um, but quite a lot of the time, um, they're very underutilized. You may have um, services or or processes that are running on these virtual machines, but actually, you know, they're not constantly doing that. They may be a bit you know, sort of burst, you know, um, batching, or they may just not be. Um, they might be recommended spec from a, a supplier, maybe, but actually, 
in you know in in a, in a in a cloud environment it might be that actually you need to sort of lower that that skew down because you you pay for you know for in effect you want them to be running as hot as possible in some in some sense um so yeah there's definitely skews in that and it's just working out what you can do um there are also some burstable um instances where if you are doing batching you can if they're idling for most of the time maybe they batch over the you know over in the um in the night um they're quite useful uh sam anything on that i think for me it's um uh, benchmarking the um the vm sizes to your workload i think is really important as well because we've also seen you know um amd versus intel um you know series equivalent machines um, performing very differently for different workloads um and there's there's so many different skews of sizes with you know seemingly unlimited different combinations of virtual cores to ram ratios and, and things like that um and also network you know um you know con- connectivity as well you might have some sort of niche high throughput um uh, requirement there as well so um so yeah really understand those skews and and really go to benchmark and um don't approach this like you would in a traditional data center you know you can scale skews um you know, on, on a frequency, on a timer, should you wish as well. It really depends on your workload. Um, and also, you know, have good utilization of those, you know, virtual machines because, you know, if you're not using that RAM you're paying for, you're wasting money. You know, it's, it's as simple as that. There is a fine line to, to tread there, though, definitely. Yeah, there's probably one more thing around that, and that's trying to making sure you're keeping up to date with the new SKUs that come in because they yes. do reduce their price. Well, they don't reduce their price, they can take more load on those new SKUs over the other ones. So Yeah, it's better price to performance for sure, right? For every pound dollar spent, you're getting more um, performance, definitely. Okay, yeah. uh, so my next tip is around, um, it's kind of on the same sort of lines, but uh, virtual machine scheduling. So if you are running IaaS virtual machines in Azure, um, there may be certain workloads where you can you know, uh, literally turn off those machines and deallocate them. Then you're going to completely save any of your um, your 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 CPU and uh, memory costs. Um, you're only going to be paying for storage of your um, of your disks at that point. Um, not all workloads are going to be able to to to, to do that. Um, but if you do have services that you know don't need to run during the evening, maybe um, it's worth shutting them down. And um, I think the the other part for me is is don't be um, don't be frightened to use say uh, logic apps or any custom scripting um, to to turn either turn on or off or even scale um, those virtual machines dependent on your use cases. Um, Alan, do you want to talk about um, what we've been doing at AVD with um, VM scheduling? Yeah, well, I was going to say that's. Uh, I was about to say that's probably a good workload where you can do that. So, we've got um, we've we've done a logic app that checks every fifteen minutes to see if um, there's any users on the machines if they're powered on, and if there if there isn't any, then we shut it down. Um, we don't need to turn it on because the Azure Virtual, Desk, Azure Virtual Desktop AVD is able to start on connect. So we that deals with that part. But yeah. Logic apps, um, there's a, there's some nice and easy connectors for turning on and shutting down VMs, and then using the APIs and things like that, you can do a bit more complex things. 
in there. Yeah, and you, you you will make an investment in terms of building, you know, those types of, you know, systems uh, for sure. But what you'll usually find is, is you'll get pretty rapid payback, especially if you are using, say, high, you know, uh, virtual machine sizes. So for instance, with AVD, we use relatively, you know, decent virtual machines. So we can get, you know, multiple, lots of, lots of, as many users as reasonably possible into one box to save cost. Um, so every, every hour that they're operational is costing, you know, relatively quite a lot of money if you left it on, uh, for the whole, uh, for the whole month. Um, so, so we really do compress our costs right down to actual, you know, uh, the consumption of AVD, you know, that our users have. Yeah, definitely. Okay. So my next section is reservations. So this can be run. These the reservations are in effect um, paying for twenty four seven act uh, machines that's being on, and you can get a a discount. I think it's like ten fifteen percent, isn't it, Sam? Something like that. Um, and in effect, you can buy a reservation for a virtual machine um, SKU, and then it, in effect, it it reduces the cost. So you're just in effect paying up front, and you get a discount. Um, you can also do that on. Um, I think it's SQL. Is that right, Sam? There's a few other workloads that can have reservations as well. Yeah, so the savings can be like can be quite lucrative. Uh, on Windows virtual machines, it could be anywhere up to eighty percent savings wow. versus pay as you go, um, which is really powerful. Linux quite a little bit less, seventy two percent. You can do Azure SQL databases. You can do Cosmos um, uh, DB. So they're not the. We're talking about reserved instances in terms of virtual machine, but um, on the PaaS side of things, they're talking about reserved capacities. So you've got uh, Azure SQL Database, Cosmos DB, um, Synapse uh, Analytics, um, Azure Storage Reserve Capacity uh, now as well, and um, App Service. So um, it the, the only thing I would say about those PaaS offerings is it's usually the higher tiers that would be um that would be more eligible for uh, things like reserve capacity so if you're in azure sql database and you're using say dtus which is a more cost effective way than buying like you know straight up v cores um you may you're probably not going to get uh, reserve capacity but it'll be when you're using those um those v core based uh, machines that you'll be able to apply those savings because they're effectively virtual machines um that, that are running at that point um but yeah, if you if you are if you are looking to run workloads for a long time in Azure, and you know in a production you know enterprise capacity, you know we're not really thinking of you know in the pay as you go mindset. You know we're we're rolling out you know uh, resources and infrastructure that are potentially going to be there for years, um, and now with the cloud, it's not like there's an upgrade cycle either, so they could stay there, you know, indefinitely really so you know um purchasing um purchasing an element of reserve capacity can be very beneficial especially in the long run yeah definitely um the only other sort of reservations there might be is around log analytics and sentinel in that you can do reserved um log in effect pay monthly for the log ingestion get discount so for sentinel if you ingest 100 gigabytes uh, uh, per day uh, and you hit that reservation, then it's 55% discount. So in effect, you have to ingest 51 gig and then you're making a saving from then on. Yeah, no, um, there's there's definitely, 
very a lot of lucrative especially when you are utilizing a lot of resource right so it yeah. is you know these th- these things are usually t- you know tailored to people that are spending you know decent amounts of money over long periods of time and you know uh, microsoft is is recognizing that and applying a you know discount because you're taking it for such a long time okay uh my next uh, tip is uh, spot instances so if you like to live life on the edge um you can you can decide to uh bid for um extra capacity uh within uh, microsoft's uh, data centers so if you if you imagine um let's say you've got an a1 SKU, um let's say microsoft's total capacity is a thousand you know virtual machines if there's only 500 running um then the other 500 can be it's not that simplistic but i'm just using that um as as as, as a way to explain it um, microsoft sell sell off those other 500 um spot instances via a spot instance auction so what you do is you you bid a spot price that you're willing to pay um and there is a current spot price which updates you know uh, in real time so Let's say your your instance was a pound an hour would be a very expensive, <laughs> very expensive instance. But let's say it's a pound an hour. Um, the spot price for that instance could be twenty pence per hour, um, and they do vary, and they do they do, they do go uh, up and down. And spot prices can sometimes um, can sometimes inflate to higher than pay as you go pricing. So you sometimes do need to be careful and spot instances can run out of capacity like completely. So spot instances are great for things like um, uh, batch jobs um, that can, that can um, maybe has have some flexibility in how they run and the life cycle in which they run and the availability that you maybe need. You can also use spot instances to, um, to uh, expand your pool of available resources. Let's say you have um, a virtual machine, um, a bunch of virtual machines, and you keep, you know, some of them on pay as you go or reserved instances, so you have some, you know, dedicated um, capacity, and then maybe you supplement that with spot instances alongside. Um, spot instances, you know, um, they are, they can, they can, could theoretically be um, uh, deallocated or terminated at, at any time. Um, so, you know, uh, production web servers, firewalls, things like that, probably not a great, um, great idea for them, but if you do need flexible capacity, um, and you can take on that, I'll use air quotes risk, um, of them being, uh, removed, then they can be very, very advantageous in terms of cost. Yeah, we were going to, we were debating whether to try it with, uh, with AVD, didn't we, with maybe having one that was normal. And then maybe a couple that weren't, but we we went against it. <laughs> no, yeah, not in, not for. Well, the thing is, I think we found that VM scheduling, you know, sort of um, cost saving was way enough already, right? You know, yeah. so um, we just try and optimize our machines being off as much as <laughs> as much as we possibly can. Yes. Okay. So the next bit is around the actual subscriptions themselves. So. Um, if if you do a lot of development um, or you have your staging areas as well, um, you can actually change when you build the subscription, you can actually choose a different SKU for the pricing. So you can choose 
to have um, dev test pricing. And in effect, you, it's uh, there's quite a big discount, isn't there, Sam, on some on some instances and things like that. It's mostly around Windows. So in effect, I th- it kind of feels like they're giving you the Windows licensing pricing um, included sort of thing. So you, you, in effect, get a discount for that. Um, but one one thing to make note is that you 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 can't run um, production services on it because there is no or limited support on it from Microsoft. It is designed to be build, test. If it breaks, it's you know if it's fixed when it's fixed, kind of thing. So there's no um, no compensation or anything like that around it. Yeah, no, I don't believe there's an SLA at all. Um, no, definitely not a production SLA. Um, that's for sure um, on dev test. Um, and yeah, like you say, I think the biggest benefit is the wiping of the Windows license cost. It effectively yeah. nullifies the difference between Linux and Windows instances. Um, so you do still pay, you know, uh, you do still pay um, like a decent price for, you know, your instances. Um, but you, you you are making a massive, you, you can you can make a big saving um, there as well, especially if you combine it with some of the other, you know, um, especially in a dev test scenario. So, you know, for instance, you might not need your staging site up and, you know, up at the weekend because nobody's testing staging, you know, overnight and, and things like that. So, you know, dev test areas are, are great for VM scheduling and, and different strategies um, like that. Okay, I, I'm going to intro the next one, but I, I really struggle to, and it, I still haven't used it in production savings plans. So it, 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 it kind of, yeah, boggles my mind a little bit on the best way to explain it. So we've talked about reservations, which is paying up front for a, and please keep me honest here, Alan, I'll, I'm going to, I'm going to feed back to you on savings plan because it is new to me. Um, so a savings plan allows you to pay an hourly rate that you set across all of your instances. Is that right, Alan? And then you, you only pay, you only pay above that if your utilization goes higher is that does that make sense yeah i think you specify your utilization of that vm and then you that's the cost you pay and like you said if you go above it then you pay the pay as you go price so okay yeah you get like a say you, you you've got something that maybe um you don't need the full cpu but you need all the ram maybe and you can say sort of well i'm only going to use um 50 60% of the CPU I just want to pay for 60% and they give you a, you know a discount on saying that you'll use that much and then it when you sort of in effect burst above it you then just pay pay to go for the time that it's it's you know bursting above it okay so you can you can kind of have the benefits of burstable instances but without all of the credit sort of you know and yeah. an SLA is you know and a proper production ready instance as well Okay, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I can just because there's now multiple different ways to get sort of instance discounts that you can even combine together as well to you know um, compound your savings even further. Because I believe you can use hybrid benefits as well with um, with savings plans. So it's all you know, it's there's a there's a lot of different factors there. Okay, um, to yeah, to to, to 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 yeah, I haven't used savings plans like in in anger uh whatsoever yet um but i'd be very interested to 
uh, when we move on to um, cost optimization of our you know migration project it'd be really interesting to see if we can utilize savings plans because it does seem like a really powerful way to set things up but i do kind of feel like you're going to have to maybe think about <laughs> those things a little bit <laughs> more than just you know paying up front for an instance for one to three years right you're 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 defining your parameters for that saving yeah definitely okay so the next section is uh scale sets so this is a um a load of machine virtual machines um in effect you can get them to if you've got a workload like a i guess it'd be like a web service or a batch job process um, and all the machines are identical um, you can in effect provide the image to that scale set and or build process um, and it can in effect when load on that um, pool of machines hits a criteria that you set it will then um, extend uh, or build new machines in effect to to help you with that load um, and then once um, load is gone so maybe you've got a release of let's say an nft going out <laughs> and everyone's trying to uh to mark to um mine it to um what you call it it's not mine your nft mint yeah. it that's it um yeah maybe they're trying to do that so you need it to like expand quickly to uh to deal with the load sort of thing or it might be it might be you know scored missions being one you know it only happens twice you know see everyone seeing all their results or trying to put in their admissions um for their school they want to choose for their you know for their kids so it's able to expand and you know contract as and when you need it to, which is very powerful because you don't have to predict having the full load twenty you know all the time. Yeah, because in a, a more traditional sort of say data center deployment, you know you'd need to you need to um, provision your maximum capacity for the lifetime of that machine, right? Because you can't yeah. dynamically. You can, I suppose, because you can you know have clusters of machines and you can do this. You know, you can do this in those those environments, um, but this is just a like a. I want I would like one machine for the you know normally, and then I want to be able to expand up to ten and then go back to one. Um, should I want to? The only thing I'd say about that is your application that's running on top of that has to be, you know, uh, flexible in the way that it operates as well. But you know, definitely uh, a really powerful uh, way of doing it. I think you can have spot instances in a scale set as well, can't you? Wow. Really? Okay. Well, that'd be cool. Think, that'd be actually quite good, actually, I wouldn't it? I think you can. <laughs> yeah. I, I'll. I will. I'll, I'll check that out just to make sure. Um. That was sure when you're talking about your next tip, but, and just make sure but, keep me honest. So yeah. But um. But yeah. So but also what's included with this is there's always a load balancer in front that automatically adds the new and you know the new VMs into that load balance for your your website or your service, so you don't have to worry about any manual process there there's just one one place you go to and then it gives you provides you with the uh the resource behind yeah so just to confirm you can use spot instances in, in a scale <laughs> set you just can't use apparently can't use b series which would be a bit mental as well right because spot get, burstables like, spot burstables yeah that would be <laughs> like <laughs> it would just be yeah for all your ddos requirements for sure <laughs> um yeah so um and there's some other like promo versions of different sizes as well that you can use but yeah yeah just quick look up at the microsoft docs you yeah you, you definitely can i think i've tested that before and you just um really quickly hit um 
Microsoft, um, you know, um, SKU limits, like on your the quotas, quotas. That's it. Yeah, um, and they're like, no, you can't have that many. Um, <laughs> you're like, but I want all these instances because what's f- really funny about spot instances, you can get some really insane machines. You know, like um, really high core counts. You know, like multiple GPUs. Like, you know, they're like seven pound an hour like 15 pound an hour or something like that (laughs) stick them in a spot instance and then you're like oh can i have one and they're like yeah you can have one can i have five no way like you can (laughs) you can't do that so um but yeah really powerful uh, really powerful skill sets um my my next one's going to be a bit of a curveball um i'm quite a uh what's the what's the word um not a huge lover of IaaS, um, to be totally honest with you. I'm I'm a I'm a PaaS sort of guy, um, I'm sure. Um, so so I'm I'm going to give you a bit of a curveball, and I'm going to I'm going to recommend that you, if possible, um, move your IaaS your IaaS workloads to PaaS or SaaS workloads, if possible. And the reason why I say this is is because usually the intro. Um, SKUs uh, or sizes on PaaS are usually cheaper um, than, you know, um, uh, and still have good SLAs, right? You know, so the the cheapest production standard ready app service is a lot cheaper than, um, well, can be cheaper than, you know, an instance running um, with all of the software on it to do the same thing. But that's not really the biggest benefit that I see, I think it's the ops costs of running those IaaS. Like they're not really hidden costs, but they kind of are. It's, it's your time, your energy um, to 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 keep those you know um, th- those um, instances uh, patched, running, um, you know, and and configured, hardened, and making sure that they're they're doing the right thing. You know, um, instead of installing SQL Server on a box, um, maybe think about Azure SQL. You know, slap um, defender for uh, def- defender for cloud, uh, defender for Azure SQL, or, or, or defender for SQL on top of it, and you know you you've got a really you know well um, observed um, SQL instance, and you don't have to worry about any of the underlying infrastructure. So time is money. So it might be cheaper for you to to um, maybe pay a little bit extra to Microsoft to, to handle all of that, but, you know, sit back and relax um, once it's done. It's definitely around the patching and things like that, isn't it? Trying to keep things patched and, and patching quickly from vulnerabilities, things like that, you know, that's going to be yeah. held by, done by Microsoft or, yeah. or, you know, or other cloud providers, of course, but yeah. Uh, disaster recovery, business continuity, you know, you can sometimes, you could sometimes have a criticism of PaaS that, you know, you might not be able to get an export out and have like a, you know, a true raw backup file that maybe might work like on another provider, you know, like um, backing up app service and things like that. Um, but in terms of, you know, um, uh, uh, you know, getting back to a a good known state, you know, um, in the middle of the night, unless you want to keep your phone on loud all the time and be on call, you know, um, they, they, they could have an issue in the, they could have an issue in the, the data center and it'd be resolved before you even know, you know, that it's even happened. Right. So, um, yeah. Um, kick back, relax, um, make it some, somebody else's problem. It's, it's just easy for when you want to build one, bring one up and bring it down, isn't it? It's just there or within minutes, at least it's there. Um, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. 
Okay, so Kano coming back to logs and uh, Jour monitor and Sentinel. Um, one one you know key tip is to try and optimize what you're ingesting. You know, do you need all these logs? What are they used for? You know, with, especially within you know, Microsoft Sentinel, are you bringing in everything from all of your you know um, servers? Have you got are you using the Microsoft monitoring agent instead of the Azure monitoring agent now, the new one? Because, you know, with the AMA now, you can really optimize what you bring in per server, where beforehand um, with the MMA, you, it was in effect a catch-all for everything. So you, you increase how much how many logs you get, it means you get for every server and, you know, incurs costs. Um, so driving that down, optimizing it. Um, to make sure, you know, from from a central perspective, uh, making sure that you've got the right logs, definitely, and not the um, other bits. There are other, um, you've got basic logs now as well as um, analytic logs. So it depends on the type of data you're bringing in and, yeah, and the cost. Yeah, and for me, application insights as well is, is important. If you've, if you've got some sort of custom application, this may be firing logs into application insights. Um, just watch out for that, you know, especially if your log levels aren't um, configured correctly, you could be sending a lot of logs um, into these, um, these, they're technically SaaS solutions, right? Aren't they? Like log yeah. analytics and stuff like that. It's not PaaS, is it? It's SaaS, I would say. I don't know. Is it PaaS? Yes. Yeah, no, it's a SaaS. It's PaaS. Solution, it? No, I don't know. <laughs> so, uh, so, uh, I don't know what it is, right? But um, so those those types of systems, there is going to be an ingest cost, a storage cost, a retent, you know, and, and all of those different things. So, you know, just, just make sure that you've got those things tuned um, and that you're, you're happy with those um, costs that are going in. Um, my next one is going to be around hybrid benefits. Um, so it allows you to use your software assur assurance enabled um, Windows Server, SQL Server, and Red Hat, um, um, Red Hat um, subscriptions um, on on Azure virtual machines. So, so what you're going to get is you're going to get a um, is it a full removal, Alan? If you've got say a Windows Server license, or is it just reduced for hybrid benefits? I believe it's a, a removal of that license cost, yeah. but you do have to have you do have to have software assurance on those licenses, which is yes. additional cost. Okay. So. Yeah. So, so um, that is a that is a way to um, to, to to reduce a, a lot of costs, and um, you know people in larger organisations might not realise that that is um, available to them um, to, to, to utilise. Yeah, you normally get your software assurance licensing if you've got a, an enterprise agreement. Okay. Um, you may be able to get some other ways, but um, that's the main one that I've seen it in. Um, but yeah, um, the next one's kind of a little bit simple are you using everything you know if you got stuff there that's been sat there for five years and now you've upgraded and it's just sat there turned on do you need to turn it off i think yeah that that's the key thing we've we've seen it somewhat we in a couple of organizations where there's just been stuff just sat there in subscriptions and they don't don't know what it is or don't know the owner who the owner is and it's i guess sometimes it's difficult that it hasn't been documented that you know what it is and where or what its use is i guess yeah we've seen it where um uh 
technical employees have you know made say maybe like test systems you know to you know to validate an issue or um or sorry to replicate an issue or they built out a test version of their environment they usually name it with their name and then dash test on the end of it um and then you know it's really simple scenario they then leave end up leaving the organization um forget to clean up before they go and then before you know it um it's just sat there you know burning uh burning uh, uh cost I, I mean those types of systems usually don't get won't get noticed in larger organizations that have big azure spend right you know because if you're spending you know the tens of thousands of dollars euros pounds you know per month on your azure um you know um five or six vms just running you know you, you might not notice it but over time that is going to be a big um cost um a cost that you're going to incur so it sounds simple and it's not really like an azure like you know hack um but we do see a lot of waste you know in 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 customer uh, tenants it's it's just a fact of, of what we end up seeing. So I think it is worth uh, calling out. There's some good documentation um, tools out there um, to, to, to build like topologies of your your environments. So uh, maybe use that, maybe use the cost management um, uh, uh, blades to, to really understand what is running and, and make sure it's actually something that you want. And forget about the cost. It could also be, you know, security, <laughs> security, <laughs> you know, you know, issue. So um, definitely keep on top of any um, unneeded uh, resources. Yeah, it's a very good point, actually, isn't it? That it might be sat there not being used, but actually it's never been patched for the last couple of years. And it's a it's a uh, way to get uh, in. Yeah, and I'll give you some examples of not like VMs and things like that. Um, if you say got a uh, SQL Azure Elastic instance, um, you could your application can programmatically recreate databases at different like SKU levels and, and things like that. Um and not even a SQL instance, just a normal SQL server. So you could you could say provision a, a database um and then just like never use it, like an extra test database and it might just be costing you, you know, um twenty, thirty, forty pounds a month, you know, that you just you just don't know because it's in a big long list of databases and you, you, you know, you've really got to, you know, uh, to look through and, and understand what you're using. So it's really easy to do because the portal doesn't stop you from creating things. Does it, you know, there's no, like, are you really sure you want to create this? This is going to, you know, I suppose it does tell you what it's going to like deploy and, and things like that. Um, but who doesn't just press like next, next, next. Right. You know, so yeah. Yeah. I guess, I guess a way to sort of, reduce that is around the the RBAC, you know, the permissions within Azure, I guess, that only certain people can build stuff. It won't necessarily stop it, but it might reduce the Yeah. Yeah. Permission the, how, uh, how quick it gets done. Uh permission structure, defender for cloud, Terraform, uh documentation services, and the cost center. I think there's multiple ways that you can have good visibility and control over yeah. what's deployed into your environments, you know? Definitely. Okay. Um, another, uh, we're getting towards the end. So, you know, these are getting trickier and trickier for, for <laughs> us. But um, one thing I just wanted to call out was um, potentially um, uh, containerizing your applications and switching over to containers. And I'll, t I'll tell you the reason why, because if you've got a workload where you've got lots of different smaller services, 
maybe you're a microservices um, type organization. If you are a microservices type organization, then you've probably already gone through this process, but that might be part of your, your strategy coming up. Um, but what containers allow you to do is to go sub V core level um, 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 slicing of your uh, resources. So you could say, you could say, right, this container is only using a quarter of a V core and, um, you know, a, a hundred megabytes of RAM. So if you, if you do, um, if you do have say like, you know, um, you do provision two virtual cores and four gigabytes of RAM, you can chop those up in a lot more flexible way. Um, because you, you, you don't have that, you know, um, operating system overhead you're you're just paying for what that container is using um and so there's there's a lot of good um container orchestration uh products in azure you know um so it, it might be worth looking at that um, because it can give you more flexibility now you're going to have to have a uh, there's going to have to be an investment of time to do that so you might want to do a cost benefit, you know, analysis there. They might say, well, it's going to take us three weeks or two months to containerize our applications. Actually, it's better off just us paying 30, 40% more for our resources. And that is also absolutely fine. Um, but just something to something to think about, especially if you're building um, custom uh, software deployments. Yep. Okay. So the next one for me is cost alerts. So I've not used these yet, but um, in effect, you can create alerts for uh, your, your spend on subscriptions and maybe resource groups um, to be able to then see you know, a, a spike in, in spend. So you can see when someone spun up that um, £11 an hour uh, VM when they shouldn't yeah. be sort of thing. N nothing better than a cost alert. I'm not, I'm not actually... Um, uh, I... I used to do a lot of work with startups um, and they were very, you know, cost conscious, you know, they, they would like, you know, to run on absolutely minimal, you know, infrastructure um, just in terms of cost, not in terms of like how it's set up or anything like that. Um, but, you know, um, if somebody accidentally created a database that was like, you know, hundred pounds a day, you know, um, a cost alert is a really good way to be well alerted of that pretty quickly and to, to, to stop that spend um, happening. So uh, for instance, like what, what I like to do is I like to set a middle of the month target, um, a benchmark, you know, let's say you, you, you thought you would spend 300 pounds in a month, um, send yourself an email mid, uh, get yourself an alert, you know, um, mid month, if you've gone over 150 pounds, if it was a 300 pound target, things like that. Um, and then, okay, yeah, you might have burnt you know, potentially 15 days on that, but it's it's going to be no more than that because you're going to get that email and you're going to go, what, what's going on here? And you're just going to get rid of it <laughs> um, straight away. Um, okay. Um, and the next one for me um, and our 15th one. So we've got through these pretty well, actually. Well, we are on 40 minutes, <laughs> but we have, we've at least not spent like uh, 10 minutes per one on. Um, to me, it's um, utilizing in-memory caching. So a bit of a bit of a niche, uh, potentially a niche one, especially um, if if you're not doing any sort of custom development. Um, but you know, w we usually see a, a lot of underutilization of uh, uh, RAM um, and, and memory in virtual machines. So sometimes 
it is um it is it it can be advantageous to put um a, a, an in-memory cache on that server with maybe a maximum you know caching capacity on it um to 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 cache some of the data that may may go back to your data layer um that means that um your users are going to have a better experience um, if you can manage that cache lifecycle, and you're also going to put less pressure on maybe say your relational data stores or any third-party systems. You're going to remove all the latency um, and let that memory really soak up any of the spiky um, like requests, especially for web requests and, and, and things like that. Um, if you do custom development you don't even have to use a separate you know system say if you're a .NET developer you can use an in-memory cache um, to, to cache parts of your application um, so that's not necessarily like an azure specific you know a platform specific one but if you are running workloads there that can utilize caching um, you know maybe you've got like some sort of data visualization uh, system that you're not you know can can be connected to a redis cache a lot of them can you know, make sure you are using that caching because RAM is um, uh, cheap as a resource and it's plentiful as well um, in its capacity. Um, and I'm just going to do one final bonus one because everybody loves, you know, um, some, some extra, uh, uh, you know, um, <laughs> extra cost saving tips. And the last one that I've got um, is around Elastic um, SQL Azure Elastic databases. Um, I kind of find Elastic databases, from 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 my um, my experience, aren't like utilized quite a lot, um, but they are incredibly powerful billing mechanisms, and that's all Elastic databases are. Um, is is really like a billing layer on top of a normal Azure SQL instance. What you can effectively do, and I'll use DTUs. Um, DTUs is the example. Let's say you want to provision 50 DTUs. Um, and let's say you have 10, say you have 10 databases. So what you could do is you could create 10 databases with 10 DTUs each. I mean, that wouldn't be a standard production ready instance. I think the minimum is 50 uh, DTUs you have to give to a standard level um, database. But a, um, a standard level um, Elastic database, I think, is the minimum is a hundred. I think, right? You basically pay for a hundred DTUs of capacity, and then what you can do is you can add, like, let's say, I think the maximum at that level is maybe a hundred or two hundred databases, and they can all share that maximum capacity, because a lot of databases will just sit there idle for most of their time, and then it might be that. They get a flood of traffic or, you know, some batch processing happens and a lot of load goes onto them. So you could then let them, you know, um, soak up some of that, you know, DTU um, and, and spike up. And you can set the levels, you know, you could say like this database can only use a maximum of one DTU. This database can use a maximum of, you know, um, tw uh, 20 DTUs. And DTUs are a blend of, I believe they're a blend of uh, CPU, memory and disk I.O., um, but just in a really, you know, uh, easily manageable like number. Basically, the more DTUs, the better. Basically, <laughs> um, and there is a way to work out, you know, like 
if you're on-prem, how what that translates into DTUs. Um, so you can go in and, and learn about those. But um, Elastic databases can be really, really, really powerful, um, especially if you're building uh, SaaS applications, uh, maybe you have a multi-tenant SaaS application. Um, it's a really, really cost-efficient way to get multi-tenancy inside of your organization. Um, and if you've just got a lot of um, uh, databases, and especially if they're not particularly used, but elastic databases can go up to like thousands of DTUs, I believe. So you know, it's it, it's it's a really uh, scalable um, product. Um, wow. And that's it. That's that's all of our cost saving tips. So um, I thought there was some good. Uh, personally, I thought there was some good ones um, in there, and just areas that we uh, generally tend to to look at. So um, I hope everybody um, found at least a, a few nuggets of of knowledge and maybe things that they haven't hadn't had exposure to. Um, Alan, is there any anything you're now going to go and check? Um, are you worried about any of your, you know, um, dev tenants or or anything like that? Your, your dev subscriptions? Uh, no, I think they're okay. I think I've already been burnt once with it by leaving, <laughs> um, because like I think we when I was testing AVD, I left. Um, didn't have a scheduled shutdown on it right yeah, so it left classic. running and, and used my credit up so yeah i've been burnt um yeah not I mean, not bad yeah. not bad but no yeah. i um i had it the other day i built a vm in azure to only just test with for the night so i just like you know select it i didn't like cost optimize it i just picked something and <laughs> um it wasn't until i think it was like the uh, it it was something like the you know two or three days before my next billing period just all my stuff cut off and i was like that's a bit weird like what's going on <laughs> and i just nuked all my all my credit and um and i was like damn it i only wanted to like boot that up it, it's it's quite lucky that i didn't actually pick a more powerful <laughs> yeah. you know um more powerful uh instance so yeah we we've definitely um i haven't really had any problems in production before because i'm quite um reserved. i'm just well i am yeah i am reserved but i also um i just never want to have that conversation um with a customer that's for sure so um so i've never been burnt in production um but in um but in you know dev test that's where yeah the mistakes do do happen i mean i mean another quick you know bonus one oh, another yeah, bonus. i know Another bonus, not not on the uh, not on the uh, not on the list. Um, it's potentially using Azure policy to stop you from actually uh, cr- yeah. using uh, big VMs. You know, if yes. you only want to provide um, stop people from you know having those big VMs, you can do Azure policy to specify what SKUs you use. So yeah. that helps. It doesn't obviously it doesn't reduce cost, but it stops you from burning cost <laughs> when you yep. don't need to or accidental cost. Uh-huh. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. You're all not having GPU instances, so yeah, <laughs> get on with your burstable instances, everybody. Right? Yes. So uh, yeah, no, uh, great one, Alan. That's that's awesome. Um, next episode, um, Alan. What are we talking about next? So still on Azure and Azure AD, but we're going to talk about privileged identity management. So PIM, and more around securing Azure AD and Azure itself. You know, access to to the environment only having just in time access. Nice, yeah. PIM is really powerful, isn't it? I, I yes, I'm a big big fan of PIM. So yeah, that's going to be well for me. That's going to be a great episode because I I do 
do love talking about it. Um, so if you've enjoyed this episode, um, please do consider subscribing if you'd like to listen to more of this sort of content in the future. Um, we have many more topics that we'd like to cover and your listens and support is what will continue to fuel the podcast going forward. We also have the ability for you to give us some feedback. Did you enjoy this episode? Is there a specific um, tip that you liked? Um, do you disagree with any of them? Um, did we miss anything? I'm sure we yeah, probably definitely. did. Yeah, definitely. I bet loads <laughs> of people have really good, yeah, it's cost-saving tips. Um, yeah, so um, in the um, notes, you know, all the, the show notes, um, just there's a link in there. So just, um, yeah, send us, a, send us a message. Perfect. Thanks very much, Alan. And uh, we'll catch you all next week. Cheers. Yeah, catch you later. Cheers. Bye.